0: How easy was it for you guys to get here from Maryland? I mean, we got on a plane, it wasn't very hard. It's a ten-hour flight. It's a little challenging, but uh, got a good night's sleep, and we're here. So you're being a smartass to start this
1: deal off right away. Is it because you're tired? That's kind of a dumb question, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not. Like, it's not like we. It's, it's not not like, like I jogged it here. It wasn't plane like, trains. Well, at all. I took a rickshaw. <laughs> where, we
2: from, where we came from on the western part of the United States, out in Sacramento, we had to come all <laughs> the way across the America, which ain't bad. Four and a half hours from Sacramento to Atlanta on Delta. Yeah. yeah. And then a nine-and-a-half-hour flight from Atlanta down
3: to Buenos Aires. But you guys were just an hour north of Atlanta, right? So it's, uh, it's two. It's two hours. Is it
2: really from Baltimore to Atlanta?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it like to sleep on the nine-and-a-half-hour flight? Because I don't know what that feels like. It yeah, was pretty amazing. It
1: was, it was great, actually. Waking up for, to breakfast was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Having a whole empty row to myself was pretty enjoyable. Oh, I had a bed. Well, you, not all of us fly first class like the legend Chad building.
0: <laughs> yeah, this life isn't for everyone. <laughs> everybody, everybody, sorry. Ain't for everybody. <laughs> Say it right. This life ain't for everybody. This got life it. isn't for everyone. I'm Good a
4: sponsor. <laughs> he's got. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: Rocky. Thank you for the first class seat.
3: You're welcome. That's all you got. That you're ask welcome. A No, but for
2: real, you guys, this is another episode of this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. I'm your host, Chad Belding. Today, we are joined live from Argentina Duck Hunting Adventures down in the province of Buenos Aires, Argentina. We're chasing ducks, lots of different species of ducks. We got into them today, hit the century mark on our first day out, shooting the Benelli Ethos and the Benelli M2s, 20s and 12s. And speaking of Benelli, two of the guests today are George Thompson- he is a director of product and product development for Benelli USA, and J.P. Fisher, I'll let him give you his official title, but I know
3: it is the director of the independent and chain sales, I believe. Is that correct, J.P.? I and mean, you got it pretty much. it's director of sales and channel management,
0: so you can help me figure out what that means.
2: That means that you hold the remote?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: nobody can have the remote. That's true.
0: I do hog the remote.
2: We also have the host of Dead Dog Walking and It used to be on the Sportsman's Channel. Now it's on This Life Ain't For Everybody TV available on YouTube. Clay Belding. Hello, hello. He's down here. And the man in the myth, the legend in his own mind who will not quit texting and checking his social media right now is Rock Merlo from Merlo Waterfowl and California Waterfowl Association getting ready to be the chairman of the board. Vice chair. Vice chair. So guys, we're going to have a heck of a podcast live. We thought we'd come in here and just drop a little bit of knowledge on our first couple days of travel down to Southern America, South America, Argentina again. But for real, I mean, if a guy wants to come down and, and extend his hunting season, you always hear about guys extending their hunting season, and it's usually, it goes from duck season, especially if you're a wing shooter, it goes from duck season to spring snow goose depredation all the way through the end of March into the middle of April, sometimes even in the beginning of May, and then it's turkey season across most of the United States. And now it's July, and I'm talking July 15th, and we're shooting ducks
0: in 30-degree weather. I mean, were you guys prepared for what we saw this morning, JP? No way. Uh, you know, with hundreds of ducks coming in and all different species. In the middle of summertime, you're just not ready for it mentally. It was pretty, pretty neat.
2: Yeah, that's what I got out of it is, like, I, can't, I couldn't, driving out there, Rocky kept saying, this is exactly how California looked 50, 55 years ago down by the Butte Sink and, and, and the different places that he grew up hunting as a kid with his dad, Larry. And if you think about it, you know, development's not here. It's just farming, and there's not a lot of money here. Yeah, right. So when I was talking to Monty, the owner of Argentina Duck Hunting Adventures, I was saying, so you go out and have to compete with a bunch of locals. He says, they don't hunt. And I said, why, they just don't like it? He's like, no, they can't afford a shotgun. They can't afford ammo. So think about that. You have this, this resource right here with all these ducks, and the locals cannot flourish off of it or even participate in it, and it makes you really humbled by what we have going on in the United States with you know, agencies and conservation groups such as Cal Waterfowl or DU or Delta, whatever it is, you get new people involved. We have a chance. You know, that, 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 that was kind of cool to hear that or not here, but to, that made me feel like, hey, in America, we don't have that issue. We get an opportunity to hunt. And George, talk a little bit about that, how how vast this place is and how big it is and the access that we have. It's just it's unbelievable seeing how much
1: country there really is down here. You know, it it is pretty un uh, unbelievable, and and I mean, I made a comment this morning that um, if they were to abandon me in the middle of that field, I had no idea which way to go, or or, or I didn't think I'd find my way back because it is just huge land. Um, and we drove for what thirty thirty five minutes down dirt roads and through gate after gate after gate, and uh, really secluded, really out in the middle of nowhere, but uh, totally worth it when you get out there and you see the number of birds.
2: Yeah, and it's. I want Rocky to talk a little bit on um on on this little next subject. But Rocky, talk a little bit about what you were what you were seeing out there and the way it was making you feel. Because to go from hunting a place as historic as the Butte Sink, which is kind of the heart of duck hunting, in my opinion, in the Pacific Flyway, the rice country of California, the Butte Sink, all of the historic duck clubs down there. You and Monty are actually both members of duck clubs in the Butte Sink. Is it bringing back memories or does it make you like want to come down here and and, and be a part of this this like how it used to be the, the glory days of duck hunting in California?
4: Yeah, it was like I that feeling this morning when we were going out in the dark and that witch grass and the tulies and the just the little potholes that you're driving around in the fence lines um, and these gates. I mean, like you said, they, we were going through gate after gate. There are no locks on them, there are no um, no hunting and trespassing signs anywhere. Um, and the grass is just kind of wild on the road edges. Um, and then there's these, just these indentions all over um, that have this natural pond look like appearance. Um, and there's just ducks sitting everywhere. I mean, you're driving by them, you're looking at them off to the right, you're looking at them off to the left. Um, they have their little upland game running around on the road. their are hawks sitting on the fence lines. Um, and there's nobody out there. I mean, all day today, you know, out in uh, thousands and thousands of acres that we we're in, we saw one gaucho on a on a horse, you know, come by and check his cattle.
2: It heard zero shots. And no heard shot. oh,
4: you heard no shots. I mean, no you're not going to hear a shot. I mean, so uh, this does. It takes me back to takes me back to when I can kind of basically remember my early days at Llano Seco out at the mallard ponds with my dad. You know, I was seven years old, eight years old out there, and it was just open range land, like what we saw today. The cattle, all the cross-fencing, um, the little indentions of tule ponds here and there, ducks just in every, all, some type of a bird species in every one of these ponds, um, and it was as far as you could see. I mean, and that was a Spanish land-grant ranch, and that's why I think a lot of this area out here Um, is kind of bringing me back to those memories because when you look at these entryways to these properties, they have that same kind of Spanish um, monument-type gateway with the name on it. And, you know, so this does bring me back to those early days in California, which is now, it's now it's all electronic gates or locked gates and no trespassing signs everywhere. And it's hard for people to get into that kind of wilderness-style waterfowling Um, That's just open space. Here it is. And I, I think, which I've not been up into northern South America, but I know that this is definitely that way down here.
2: And it's it's to me, it's like you think about what's going on back where we're from when it comes to I'm just talking waterfowl hunting right now. Is you have the refuges, you have the public areas, you have the draw systems, you have private property, you have duck clubs, you have guys farming for ducks, creating food and nutrition plots for ducks to use up and down the migratory routes. They do hunt on these on these properties and in a lot of different states and all of the di- four flyways of, of continental United States. There's not really a limit in Argentina, we shot 100 115 ducks today in a little over two and a half hours, three hours. This is all rainwater. Is that not, that's amazing to me. Everywhere where you saw ducks sitting today and everywhere we saw water is dry throughout the summer. And once the storms come and win, fall and winter come, Wani says we're hunting 100% rainwater. Can you imagine being able to have that resource and not, I mean, we we fight to get a draw pill and, and, or, or, or acquire enough income or status to get a membership to a club in America. It's hard to go out in public. Areas in the United States anymore, and have a successful hunt without thirty other guns going off, a bunch of duck calls being blown, mojo's in every hole.
4: You know, there there there's a lot of deterrence in America, and that
2: was raw duck hunting this
4: morning. Right, and that and and this morning, what we saw was this is their third month into their let's say their hunting season, um, and it's coming to the end um, in another three weeks, I guess, from what Monty said, because the potholes will just start drying up, and summer will start. Um, and the birds are giving it up, you know. um, You know, we had feet down. We saw all types of flights coming in. Um, But again, like you were saying, there's just no pressure here. Nobody's hunting. I mean, there are other, you know, outfitters scattered out that way out. But like Monty said, this is five and a half hours out from Buenos Aires. And literally from, I would say, guys, I think after about 45 minutes of driving when we left Buenos Aires, we started seeing ducks sitting along the road edges and geese. I mean, it was the craziest thing. Yeah. I mean, we weren't very far out of town. It and, went
2: from the most developed country or city in yeah. in Argentina to like zero civilization almost, didn't it? Yeah. There's a couple towns in between here and there, but
3: you know, what's amazing to to me is it, there's so much land and so much water because of the rainfall. It's not like you can back home when you have your whatever your club is a thousand acres and you know. Ducks are hitting this pond or this pond or, or they're not. Here, there's so much water and so much land that it's crazy to, that the scouting that he, his guys have to go to to find those ducks on mm-hmm. what pond they're hitting. because it's,
2: What were you going to say, JP?
3: Oh, I was just basically going to say the same thing. I mean, there's on the
0: way here, you know, you're just looking for miles and miles and miles and miles and there's no one around and it's flat. And you see those little draws and those little pockets of water. And birds on the whole way but you know we did that for five hours i mean it, it was incredible you know we travel all over the country for benelli and it's rare that you go five hours without seeing any type of civilization like you are here i mean we're really out in the middle of nowhere in like a good way right i mean we're in duck heaven in the middle of nowhere it's pretty neat and I, I want you and george to
2: talk about this because both of you have some experience hunting across you know george has hunted wing shooted all over south africa south america canada america you've been to canada with me you've been jp's been to canada he's been all over the continental united states but george argentina is a country just give me a rundown just off the top of your head what can you shoot here as a as a wing shooter what what do you know of in the southern even if it's uruguay or whatever but in south america there's quite a few species from from pigeons to ducks what 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 have you chased and what what do you know you can chase down here
1: well yeah you know there's many many different species of ducks down here obviously um the dove and pigeon population is off the charts um and what rock mentioned earlier the the upland game that's the purdise running around and um you know i probably counted 20 of them you know as we were driving back today easily um that was that was a trip that i did in uruguay two years ago was just to hunt those and and they're a lot of fun to hunt i mean you hunt them just like you would I don't know, pheasants or quail back home with a a working dog and pointing and uh, and flushing them. Um, But uh, they don't, you know, these guys don't even mess with them because there's so many ducks around.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then if you think about the states in America that have the reputation of the quote-unquote sportsman's paradise, like Florida doesn't really get the rap as a strong duck hunting state. There is some duck hunting there. You've hunted down there, George. I've hunted there, but as far as gators and turkeys and pigs and deer and offshore fishing and bass fishing, it's truly a sportsman's paradise. But if you put it up against this place, JP, talk a little bit. Now you go up here, 15, 12 hour drive to Patagonia. You have some, is it safe to say world-class fly fishing opportunity?
0: Well, I think world-class doesn't even do it justice. I mean, it's probably the pinnacle of trout fishing in the world and you're, you can drive there from here. I mean, it's not real close, but you know, if you're really motivated, you can do this world class duck hunting and get yourself on a river somewhere. You know, it's winter time there. There's a lot of snow. I don't know what uh what kind of access you can have there, but certainly that is that's every fly fisherman's dream is to go fish Patagonia. Why? Uh it's the same thing we have here. I mean, it's the it's the it's the amount of fish, you know, per square mile in a river. You're talking 10,000 fish per square mile in a river. You know, you don't and and they're big, and they're healthy, and they're wild, and there's not a lot of pressure. I mean, it's exactly the same game we're doing right now with ducks.
2: Just when you talk about the pressure, George, you you've we've scouted together in lots of different places. I mean, we very rarely go out and not run into other hunters. It's not, I, I guess you could say it's competition, but... There, there is, there is a sense of competition back in America when it comes to hunting and big game. It's the biggest bone on the head. And ducks is, can you stack up a limit every day? And fish is, are you doing this? And there is a lot of competition that's been placed on hunting where we're from. And down here, the, I, I keep going back to driving back today with Monty, and I'm sitting behind him, holding his dog Susie in my lap, and I'm looking out across the country, and there's literally none. You could come down here. Right. Monty got here on August 9th. I mean, excuse me, April 9th, and they started hunting in May. He he spent 30 days getting the lodge ready. May, June, July, and then the first 10 or 12 days of August, he doesn't see any other hunters.
3: Mm -hmm. Just has to ask permission, and he was saying just his partner, Segundo, has lived here his whole life and knows a lot of these people, so it's just a matter of...
2: Yeah, Saguno's the master guide. Here, here it,
3: is, here it is, and just be respectful to my land and their commodity is the is the vodka, the cow. So as long as you keep those gates Gate gates shut and you respect their cattle, they'll let you hunt. So and you
4: noticed we, um, you know, which oftentimes in California, these guys get lazy, and what happened with back then um, when gates arrows started getting locked, guys were leaving gates open. You know, they have so much cattle down here. Yep. I mean, five hours of nonstop cattle herds we saw. Yeah, right. And, I mean, every gate's shut, but no gate has a lock on them. Yep. And as we went through the gate and out of the gate, even if we were only through the gate for four minutes, five minutes, we didn't leave the gate open. No. They locked the gate right, right behind us. They, and that kind of respect goes a long ways down here. Yeah. But if you look around, I mean, in all the towns that we went through, on the roadways that we were on, We saw no police and then when we asked Segundo I mean is there cops around here and he goes "Mm, no not too many well is there ever a problem no 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 there's no problem in the country Um, only problems are in the city and so they live out here and things are left open I mean our stuff is safe you feel safe around here the people are you know very nice I mean it's not like going to some other remote places Um, that we've been to where you have to lock everything up you know you're not you don't feel safe you stay inside we just look at our friends that all go through vegas hunting and their stuff gets broken into there you know and all their guns are ripped off um this here we just i mean it's nice out here
2: and that's the reason why i started by asking you guys that question on how difficult or what did it take to get here is that it's not much
0: no, it's not. Like, bad. if
2: you can afford it, and let's talk about breaking the price of it down. Bonnie said if you're economical flyer and you get a coach seat, you can get one for $800 round trip to come down here. And then you pay, you, you can go on their website at argentinaduckhuntingadventures.com and look at the packages that they have. But if you save up and you come down here and you get to experience this, it's July. <laughs> it's June and July, guys. We came from 105 degrees in Chico, mm-hmm. California. I've been at the lake every weekend, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with my daughter and Ch- Clay and Chase and the family. And we come into this, and we're hunting ducks. And to me, that's, that's really, that's a cool-ass cool, cool ass feeling that we're together again. We've been to Canada. We've been all over continental America. And now we're together again in South America, in Argentina. Hunt Beautiful ducks, too. Those rosy bills are sick. Yeah, they're, they're neat. Cool. They're neat. They're way cool. And They're
4: smart. They're, I mean, they're, they're smart. very smart. I mean, yeah, they were yep. sitting there picking us off earlier. And... Uh, you know, we had to go do some blind. You know, we adjusted, readjusted. We because, got them. Yeah, because they were picking <laughs> us off, literally.
2: I love, I loved how how much experience we had in that blind today, and we sat there and had overcast with little wind. And in America, you very rarely even want to go out duck hunting in those conditions. Yeah, and then. The sun comes out, but by that time, we're like, well, let's cover up. We're like, hey, let's, you know, they're picking us apart. Well, with no wind and clouds and and no shadows or anything, they just sit up there and pick you apart.
3: A duck is a duck. Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> acted like yes, ducks when South that America sun ducks. came out and that wind yeah.
2: blew. That just shows you that everything that we talk about, about sunshine and shadows and hiding and not underestimating the knowledge and the vision of a duck and being covered and concealed the right way, not taking any of that for granted and making sure that you cover all those pieces of that puzzle, you saw it, George. Right? You saw the difference with the sunshine came out as opposed
1: to the clouds early in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure did, and and uh, you know, yeah, I saw the difference, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you're welcome for covering the blind up properly. <laughs> you uh, did make the comment. I know. He is trying to be comic <laughs>
2: relief right now, but it is true. He did say, "Hey, let's pull some of this stuff over," and I was just, la- I I wasn't focused on that because I was laughing at how poorly George was shooting and. Well, yeah, we shot oh, it
1: slow. We shot that's, a hundred ducks. We don't need to talk about how many shells we went through, do we? No, <laughs> no. 101. I thought
2: the word pressure was used before George. The word pressure was used as far as performing and money back in the truck and seeing how slow it was because of the conditions. And, Ma- and rock mentioned how late in the season it is. We only have a couple weeks left of a three month, three and a half month season being the director of product and product development and you're out there with the guns that you helped build you helped design you helped see from the beginning infancy stages all the way through now is go to market with them the ethos the m2 the super black eagle 3 Does it amaze you still to see how they perform? I'm not kissing your ass. I'm not saying this because you're our sponsor. (laughs) But we were shooting round after those barrels were hot on those on on those ethos. Does it surprise you, or do you feel pressure? Like if one of these things jams, these guys are going to because I'm responsible for this partly, right? That's what are you thinking that way?
1: Well, of course, you know. I mean, yeah, the the guns were hot. They were dirty. That you know this this Argentinian ammo. I don't even know what brand it is, but it um it's dirty. You know, it doesn't shoot clean at all, and it's pretty low velocity stuff. but uh, yeah, there's always a lot of pressure when the cameras are running to make sure the guns are, are running smoothly. You know, I'm pretty blessed in that um, I'm a part of the the, the the best shotgun manufacturer in the world with Benelli, um, and I've got all the confidence in the world in every one of our products that we put out in the market because, yeah, um, we're we're down here in Argentina, but this certainly isn't the first high volume shoot these guns have been on. When we were when we were developing Ethos uh one of the things we did was a south african high volume hunt for the uh, rock pigeons and we were shooting thousands of rounds in a day day after day you know not cleaning them anything like what these guys do those guns were abused badly but um yeah you know all of us have been there right you you work your butt off you get in the spot the bird cooperates and you pull up and the gun doesn't work right right that's that's like the nemesis of a duck hunter and um we're pretty lucky in that we put out products that generally don't do that. And when yeah. you when you think
2: <laughs> when, when you think about the, what you just said as far as how Monty has his crew and Segundo and everybody cleaning these guns, I almost like
1: like flinch up a little bit right yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: almost goes, I don't think you ought to do that because to me to a Benelli is not to be cleaned yeah, every day. Yeah. Right? I
1: probably ought to give him some pointers before I leave. I mean, they, those guns had way too much oil on them this morning, yeah, yeah. Um, and he almost had to shoot some of it off and, and burn it off to get them get them a little smoother, but, uh, um, yeah, they do take better care of their guns than, than most people do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> can, I just, can I just jump
0: in? You know, I, I appreciate that question, and, I, and I, we all love, you know, the work that George does and the product that we get, but from, like, the sales side, it's funny, that question isn't relevant to me because I know all the work's been done, and we go out and talk to our dealers and talk to our consumers. I have, like, this incredible amount of confidence that the product that we talk about is, the, is truly the best in the world and it's gonna work and that's sort of like ultimate reliability is one of our old taglines and i think it's still it's still true and for me that makes my job a lot easier you know i don't have to talk my way around it and say oh we have this new fangled technology that doesn't mean anything our stuff really works and it works all the time and Mm -hmm. that's that kind of reputation is you know is what we rely on what i count on
3: hold on a second
0: let let this uh vehicle <laughs>
3: motorcycle go
1: by if you guys that's know. an urban gaucho <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs>
2: an urban gaucho go by no but say let's keep saying that James, because it is true is if you if you work in a position and I and I do a lot of this for our brands is going out and representing our product that we put out there whether it's a TV show or this podcast or you know social media content or whatever. Yeah. I can't go into a meeting with you guys at Benelli in Maryland and Tim and Tom and sit down and look across the table and say, Benelli should be the title sponsor of what we do because we're the best. I couldn't do that if I didn't have the confidence like what you're saying. When I know what Clay and Tom and Tyson and, and all of the guys, Josh and the guys back home are doing, and I can take everything from a media kit to a print ad to a TV show into somebody and say, and do it with that much confidence, it's it makes your life a lot easier.
0: Oh, no doubt no doubt i'm so happy to have benelli you know as on on the the shirt every day because i just wouldn't want to be in anyone else's shoes that's for sure
2: and then we got rocky over here who when i met him a couple years ago you know he never had he didn't wear bandit he he, in i'm not afraid to say it he wore beretta everywhere and we've turned him i mean he's 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 a uh he's a straight beretta guy for a long time because his dad and he hunts with a lot of Guys like the Sinos and in different families in California that have been pro Beretta for years. Beretta is influential in California. Sure, they are, and the Beretta family of guns is strong. Yeah, but talked about that a little bit, Rocky. You've made the transition now, and it's hard for you to even pick up the Beretta now, or do you, I mean, are you in love with? I know you love the M two twenty gauge.
4: Yeah, well, no, I, I did when I when I got a hold. I had would always had a, a Benelli Super Black Eagle, and but I was just so used to shooting that the Beretta and that feel. And then when we got into the goose hunting heavy, you know, about eight years ago, seven years ago, we started shooting the SB1 uh, with the three and a halves. And, and that was just the go-to gun for the geese. Um, and then when I met you, I was still shooting that, you know, my 301, but then I got my hands on that M2 that day, you and I and John Carlson were in the blind. Yeah. And I shot that eight for seven in front of you. Um, eight for seven yeah you shot eight birds with seven shots no eight shot seven
2: birds eight for seven oh, that would be s- seven for
4: eight yeah seven eight birds eight eight seven yeah yeah eight, eight for seven yeah just like better. just like you <laughs> <see>. eight <laughs> for seven is way better yeah. Yeah. I, like so, that I was impressed for a second <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like Damn, it <laughs> know. no i mean why I mean, i've never held the gun <laughs> oh right i right. mean I, it was the first time i ever held an m2 20 gauge in my hand so what you're saying is it you was like it was made for you and it was it just felt i mean it was that it was in that that the one out at Ranch West one, and yeah, I it was a tough day. The birds weren't committing, and they weren't working. And it was they were skittness, and and then it was at the end of the hunt. And Chad goes here, shoot this, and finish out. And it was like bam, bam, bam. It was really quick, and and then after that, it was it was over for me. I, I just the M2 was my go-to gun, and then last year I got my hands on your um, the Benelli Waterfowler 20, which in my my opinion is probably the best duck gun that's on the market today. That gun is sick. And uh, I held that today. I shot um, your guys' uh, 20 gauge. And it was, I mean, it was, it, even though I just had shoulder surgery, it was light and it was a good fit for the day. And the action was quick. Um, the ducks, these ducks are, ducks they're are very fast, fast ducks. Yeah, I they're mean, they're, they're not like a Mallard or a pintail coming in. Um, these ducks come in, they lock up, they drop their feet, but I'm telling you right now, they they're they're doing forty like a canvas. Bag. Yeah, they, they, need they need a long need, runway to land. They, they, yeah, do, they, they need, need a long, long runway. They're not divers. They're 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 puddle ducks.
0: Well, and they turn so quick and they're gone. Right, and they they're gone. Looks like they're set up and they're they're landing gears down and then they see us and then you, you blink and they're gone.
4: Right, and we said most of the day yeah. we were calling the shots too late.
0: Yeah, yeah. we were you shooting birds going away.
4: The yeah, Chad was <laughs> <laughs> calling the shots too late. No, but it was it was. You're it was, welcome. I mean, You're welcome. But please. you need a quick pointing gun and and those those. The Benelli's, both your 12s and your 20s you had in the blind today, um, they're light, quick pointing. I mean, you, you even said that that gun I shot today was about five and a quarter pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and I, I have. I'm Now I can't grab another gun. I, I, well, I have my two.
2: I think it's cool that George is here, and, and I always like to get knowledge dropped. And for the people out there listening um, to the podcast and who we can l- use this as an instructional piece, just to start off a little bit, George, about... What is the difference between
1: a gas gun and an inertia gun? Ooh. Uh, that could be a whole podcast. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um, so gas guns, the way that the action works is, is there's essentially uh, holes in the barrel uh, a little bit ahead of the chamber, and as the, the shot goes out, a portion of the gas that's pushing the shot out gets recycled back into the action, and that's what, that's what makes the gun work, right? Um, inertia guns are essentially spring driven for a lack of better words. Um, there's a, a really small but super stout spring inside the bolt um, which is completely enclosed inside of the bolt and uh, as you fire the shell, the gun recoils uh, but that bolt stays stationary relative to the gun and compresses the spring on the inside then as recoil subsides that spring springs um, and that's what cycles the action. So. Inherently, just by design, there's there's less moving parts on an inertia gun, less total parts on an inertia gun, um, and they will run substantially cleaner than a gas-operated gun, um, especially with this ammo that we're using yeah. down here. I mean, I would imagine you'll be cleaning a gas-operated gun every... Couple hundred shells at, at max. Well, I think that's um, why they clean them every day because yeah. they're used to running gas guns, and that's why we're kind of like, whoa! Well, yeah, they don't just, need to do that. A gas gun just wouldn't wouldn't hold up here. So um, you're
2: being honest. You think it would be smart to sit Monty down in his guide and say, "Hey, you're, I think you're going a little overboard on the cleaning of a, a of a Benelli. Well, I would
1: never say to not clean a gun because you know I'm a I'm a uh, you know clean guns generally do work better, but. Benelli's don't need nearly as much oil as these guys are putting on them. Um, You know, really just a couple of drops on the bolt rails um, on a a clean gun is all that you need. Um, And I would imagine, I haven't seen their process yet, but I would imagine they're basically dunking the guns in some type of oil every night. Um, You know, actions, trigger assemblies, everything. It's just excessive. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. So would you need more oil on a gas gun? Um, a little bit more, yeah, because you have some friction points up up, you know, as the, the piston assembly slides back and forth on the magazine tube, there's a friction point there that you'd want to keep oiled. Um, and again, there's just more pieces and more moving parts that you'd want to keep clean and oiled, yeah. George, why don't you talk about ergonomics,
0: too? I mean, that's a big deal for our guns, and, and, and Rocky touched on it, you know, and I think you probably know it best, you know, but the difference between a gas gun. And interesting on the ergonomics, and I think that's what for me. When
2: you say ergonomics, you mean how you shoot it, well, and how you, how, how, you, how it feels, how it feels, right? feels right? right, how it fits.
1: And that's one of the things I love uh, most about our guns is is that you know, apples app, apples to apples comparison against any competitive gun out in the market, our gun's going to be lighter, uh, it's going to be slimmer, uh, it's going to be thinner all around in the fore end, and the and the butt stock and the receiver. Everything is just kind of smaller and. You know, many, many years ago, uh, our our original general manager, Steve Otway, used to say, um, carry a 20 and shoot a 12, and that's kind of what a Benelli feels like, um, is it feels like you're carrying a a 20 gauge, but it's a 12 gauge, you know, because of the the thinner overall gun and the lighter weight, Um, and that's one of the things that that makes them so fast pointing, like Rock, you know, mentioned earlier, is that, um, you know, they're just (laughs) they're they're just spot on man i don't know how else to say it yeah um you know light fast um and then as reliable as you can make a shotgun so you
2: come out with the super black eagle 2 10 years 15 years ago and that's what i shoot you know and i'm getting ready to move into the three because the lefties are finally in the states but when you come out with that gun my first thing was like you can't when you when you told me you guys were coming out with the sb3 i was like what what could you do any better right and then i held the sb3 and i'm like oh so, as, the, as a director of product development in Benelli, and I know your wheels are always turning, you're always singing. It's been a year since the launch of the Super Black Eagle 3, mm-hmm. a little bit over a year. Is, has it already settled in your mind that you can improve on that one now? Are you guys already talking as a brand? I, mean, I don't want you to give away any industry secrets, but you as an individual, <laughs> yes, you you go, you, do. <laughs> you go, yes, we can improve on that gun already?
1: You know, um, product development never stops. Uh, you know, even before we launched Super Black Eagle 3, we were already working on Super Black Eagle 4. Um, it's a matter of finding enough things to merit, you know, a redesign or a new launch, um, and it, it's ne- it never stops, right? Um, you know, we, back when we launched Super Black Eagle two, uh, it was the best best shotgun on the market. Uh, we launched Vinci and Super Vinci, best shotgun on the market. Uh, Ethos, best shotgun on the market. And, and when I say best, I, I keep I keep meaning that we're replacing ourselves, right? Um, so until we launched Super Black Eagle Three, the ethos was the best gun in the market. Well, we launched Super Black Eagle Three and it's, you know, leaps and bounds better. So it, it's a never-ending cycle, and, and yeah, um, in my mind, nothing's ever perfect. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I'm always trying to find ways to make uh, every little detail better. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for, for more stuff. I can tell you it's going to take a while, right? We, Super Black Eagle Three was under development essentially for about 10 years. Um, Ethos was, uh, was, you know, the guns we're shooting down here today, that was about a six-year project. Um, so it takes a long time, and, you know, it is something I struggle with, to be honest, because we're essentially talking about the, the best of the best, right? And, and it's like, how do you make a Ferrari faster, Right, I mean, there's only so much you can do to what is already the best shotgun in the world, and and we want to make sure that when we do launch something new, um, that there are tangible benefits and features that that you can see and that and that people will value. Right, it's not just different lipstick or it's not just um, a cosmetic change. Yeah, um, we're not gonna f- we're not gonna fix something just for the sake of fixing something. I was right? nervous, to be honest.
0: I mean, I'm. I- you know, from the sales end of it, you know, we've been talking about Super Black Eagle 2 or Ethos is the best guns in the world. And all of a sudden, now we've got, like, now i got to talk my way out of that one. Like, oh, hold on a second. Those are still really good guns, but this one's even better. And, you know, immediately you get, you know, dealers or consumers are skeptical, right? And they, they automatically think it's just a line extension or they just want to charge me more money for something that's n- nominally different and maybe not better. And, I, you know, guys like Rock who, sh- who sh- hunt all the time, and you guys hunt all the time you get, you know, you get really, you know, attached and comfortable with your gun. And you think to yourself, I have a super I go to, I love it. And I, you know, I've killed a bunch of ducks with it and I know where it shoots and it's like, like my best friend, why would I ever want to trade this in for something else? And so in my mind as I'm thinking about, you know, how am I going to talk to my sales reps? How am I going to get them on board? So when they're out there, you know, being our brand ambassadors and getting selling guns, how do we get them, you know, dialed into this thing and you know, this sort of brings, comes back to the relationship that that Rocky and, and Benelli have. We we took our guys out to California, Northern California, prior to the launch, and did a phenomenal duck hunt. I and mean, I, we still owe you a lot of thanks for that for that trip. But the idea was to get all of our sales guys out there, and we made them. I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in the back of the truck in the morning, and we're getting ready to go with our guides, and I've got you know the big box of ammo, and and I'm handing ammo to the guys, and. And they were like, I'm like, here you go, three and a halfs. And they were like, oh, no, that's all right, sorry, right, I'll just shoot threes. And I'm like, no, you're missing the point, guys. Like, <laughs> th- this gun, this design, and, and you know, back to the sort of heritage of Super Black Eagle is, it's a, it shoots three and a halfs. And, you know, that was the sort of, the test that got all of us t- completely on board. We did, a, we did a great, a phenomenal hunt in the morning, we came back had a meeting, and I said to every one of our guys, <laughs> okay, well, you know, what do you think? And they, were, they said to a guy, I mean, guys were like, look, I had to double check the box i couldn't believe i was shooting three and a half inch magnums at ducks and, and, and geese because it shoots so soft and it shoots so well and and that was like the, the clinching point for everyone where we're all like man this thing is you know leaps and bounds better than a two and we've really and got it blew my here. mind too
2: and you mm-hmm. talk about the recoil of a gun shooting a three and a half inch with that much energy behind it and that can you know shooting a lot. Yeah, you, right. shoot, you shoot 10 specs a day in California, 25 snow geese and seven ducks. That's a lot of yeah. wear and tear on your shoulder and your gun. But the it's, what is it, 6.5 ounces lighter than a 2?
1: Uh, it's about a quarter pound lighter. About yeah. a quarter
2: pound lighter and, than the 2 with less recoil. Yeah. And the testament that I when, I, when I hear you say the word test, when you guys are out there testing, there's two testaments in my mind of the Benelli brand. Tell me if I'm wrong, George and JP, is that one, you have the Rockies out there that are loyal to the brand. And when you launch a new product, they're probably going to, they, they they can afford to go buy a gun. Right. Benelli's aren't cheap. They're not the most expensive guns in the market, and they're, uh, you know, they're not the most inexpensive guns. They're they're priced anywhere from seventeen hundred to twenty one hundred, somewhere in that price range. Okay, give or take. How does a brand like Benelli get the eighteen year old kid to buy in to the Benelli lifestyle, the Benelli quality, the reliability? And that's the other testament to Benelli is that kids. Are like you talk about Burning Man. You have all these rich people that go to Burning Man and they can afford a ticket every year. And Burning Man's a big festival, or any music festival. Then you got these kids that save all year to to nickel and dime that ticket together, but they're going to go to that concert. And that's what this is, is they're starting to save their money and their, their chore money and their first job money because they want to get that Benelli. It, do you guys know that as a brand when you go into marketing and sales? Or is, is it something that you're working to get more of? Or do you guys feel that that younger generation is starting to say, hey, we're going to save our money for a
1: Benelli? You know, it's 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 funny because we get, uh, we talk a lot about who our customer is, right? And And our customer is everything from that, you know, teenage just, just ate up with duck hunting kid, all the way up to uh, you know doctors and lawyers and and pretty affluent people, um, and it's at some level it's challenging trying to create a marketing plan or even a product that covers both of those guys. It's one of the reasons we have so many different guns, right? It's something for everyone. But um, you know, in the big picture, you guys know this far better than I do. But in the big picture. You know, by the time you invest in gear, you know, whether it's waiters, bibs, jackets, decoys, calls, ammo, uh, ammo Bugs, lease, dogs. whatever it is, <laughs> dogs, you know, the gun is is it's an expensive firearm, you know, um, but you don't want to come out here and have a malfunction, right? I mean, you know your decoys are going to float. You know your dog's going to be a dog. You know you're, <laughs> you're going to be warm in your clothes, you didn't do all that effort, right, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning or, or scouting all, all the day before, get up, drag everything out there, set it all up to have your gun not work, right? I mean, these guys, the guys you're talking about, these these, you know, younger guys, the kids, if you will, um, that are just ate up with the duck hunting, they're, they're buying the best tool for the job is what they're doing, right? That's why they buy your gear, right, because they're buying the best tools for the job. They want to have a pleasant experience, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, they know that it's a value to buy one of our guns that's going to work forever versus you know some other brand that they're going to replace in a couple of years because they've just they've beat it against the tree because they're so agitated with it.
0: You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, we work really hard at maintaining that you know aspirational status, right? I mean, we we take really a bunch of pride and, and a lot of care in that Benelli brand, and and you know I'm not just saying this because we're sitting here with you guys, but that's the reason why. We, this all exists with you and Bandit and the Foul Life and the whole thing is, you know, as a group, and we, you know, we really take care of aligning ourselves with the right people, the right brands. And so that, you know, like the, the example you use where that kid is, you know, saving up his chore money to buy a gun, he probably watches your show. He probably listens to this podcast, you know, because he's young and the old people don't do that. But, but, uh, you, know, they, <laughs> but the, you know, that's the deal. And, and You're saying that old people can't hear you? T- what? <laughs> Birds out left. <laughs> Two on the left. <laughs> but we take, we, we well, really. You just flipped me
3: off. <laughs> we,
0: yeah. But we really want to maintain that status as being aspirational. You know, even if you can't afford one right now, and maybe you can't buy one this season, you know that you really want one. And that's really hard because if we can't, we can't keep our status to that, to that point where even if you can't afford one, but you always want one, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the key to it all. Because eventually when that comes, when that Whatever that bonus check hits for you know, or that overtime money they get, or whatever it is, whatever that money gets in their pocket, and they know they've reached that that number, they're gonna go buy the Benelli. As <laughs>
2: long as that bonus check is not the jelly of the month club, Clark. That's <laughs> the gift that keeps keep on giving
1: <laughs> all year, all year. All year.
4: <laughs> I think, Chad. I think we. I think we. We. I think the the hunt that I flash back to, where those Benelli's really shined, was that January third hunt that you and your friend Massini. Yeah. Came up from uh, with Mendez, yeah. and a couple that we did that eleven guy goose hunt there, off of August Frias, and we shot 107 uh, geese in about an hour 147. and forty seven, 147 in about an hour and a half, and when we were done, um, we had to pull all of our equipment out with full track rigs, um, everything was absolutely muddy, and we had the pictures of you hosing the guns out, <laughs> the Benelli's out, and the mud. <laughs> Running out of them. I mean, yep. I'm, honest to God, that was the year that we got 40 inches of rain two years ago. Um, that was that was probably one of our most difficult seasons. And I'm on my back hunting out in the mud um, almost every day. And it was the Benelli's that just we just we just had to just keep hunting, plugging through it. They kept shooting, and we had a lot of issues with other guns. Um, I'm not saying we didn't have issues with them either um, because we were in so much mud, but hands down the performance of them um, was, was consistent. And, and, and that was the proof right there. That day was the day. and I And I think that it's a, if you
2: think about everything that you guys do from product development to the sales, to what you're talking about, the, the people that you align yourself with, I think that there's a lot of strategy that goes into a lot of it. Obviously, there is strategy that goes into what he does with product development. Yeah. He's already talking about a Super Black Eagle 4. It pisses me off because, like, I haven't <laughs> shot the Super Black Eagle 3 yet, and now...
1: It's not going to be anytime soon, just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years from now, if anyone's <laughs> listening.
2: But you think about all the strategy and every all the moving pieces that it takes to get this, what we're talking about. You're trying to get somebody to go and entrust in your brand when they go and they tell that guy behind the gun counter... I want that Benelli M2, or I want that SBE3, or I want that Ethos, or that even your 828U. I shot it at Pheasant North, North and South Dakota. It's awesome. You, the, what you guys do is harder, in my opinion, than it looks. You have to have the product, and you have to have the messaging, and most importantly, you have to have that confidence to go out like what you're talking about and have that 18-year-old kid spend $2,000 of hard-earned money to where he's not going to come back and feel slighted. Right. And to me, that's a big responsibility.
1: Right. And that's what George is well, there's saying. A, there's you, a very high expectation from our customer. You know, they, they, they the products are expensive. We don't hide behind that. Um, and frankly speaking, people expect them to work, and they, they darn well better, you know, um, because of the high expectations around it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even with all of our marketing and messaging and and, and all the different stuff we do, um, you you know what what our what our best sales tool is for any of the Benelli products? Just shoot it! it it's yeah. guys like Rock. You know that <laughs> firsthand experience and telling his friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, I bought a Benelli. You shouldn't buy anything but a Benelli. And. It's that 18-year-old kid that bought one and then tells all his buddies how awesome it is, you know, and he, and he's laughing at them when their guns are malfunctioning in the blind. Or, he's cleaning
0: up all their birds. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's
1: that's really the, the 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 secondhand testimonials, you know, of our actual customers are, are what I like to see and what I like to hear about. Um, and that's really one of the most motivating things to me is just knowing how many people, um, perhaps it was a stretch for them to buy one of our guns, whatever it may have been, but but just to to, to to hear and see their 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 results and how happy they are with them afterwards well that's right. what I was, that's uh, so I was gonna it. say I was, that's what i was gonna
3: say to exactly that point before you jumped in is growing up we weren't affluent at all mm-hmm. and i remember going hunting whatever it was trucker hunting sage hunting and a very little duck hunting growing up we were you know doing western stuff out in the sagebrush i remember guns always you know having my dad having to come over and Take barrels out because a shell was stuck or whatever it is. You, you know, you get so frustrated. And that first time where you get a gun that you go, "Holy crap! I went a whole day, or a whole week, or a whole month, whole season without having a, to do anything. Not a single malfunction." Yeah, it's it's like it makes
2: you a believer. And on the other well, side of it is that we, sorry, Rock, but we we have a lot of people that will. I don't know if they're quote unquote haters or what, but they'll call in or they'll write in and say must be pretty easy to shoot a $2,000 gun when they give them to you for free. It's easy to tell somebody that it's the best gun in the world because they're paying you to say that. And you hear that a lot in advertising and marketing and messaging is is how how um, authentic is Dale Earnhardt Jr. when he tells you to drink Mountain Dew. Are they just giving him millions of dollars or does he really believe in, in what Mountain Dew does for him? <laughs> is LeBron James really know that if he couldn't be the same basketball player in a pair of Adidas, as he is in Nikes you know this whole endorsement deal this whole brand this whole type of marketing with celebrity or what endorsements or or ambassador endorsements or people you might go out and give a discount to a gun to or a rider like Skip Knowles comes down and he shoots a Benelli and you guys have a friendship and you might give him one on the side he writes an article that's not how it is these guys are writing about Benelli's because they're coming out here and they're putting them through this testing. We're, we're hunting 100 days or more a year in all different conditions, from the hottest days to the coldest days to the driest days to the wettest days to the frozen days. It doesn't matter that Benelli performs. So it, I, I want to make sure that people understand that, yes, we are a partner to Benelli. We do have a partnership and a sponsorship with Benelli. But we truly believe in the product because we couldn't do what we do and produce what we do if we were cleaning guns most of the hunt or our guns were malfunctioning most of the hunt. And to have that confidence when those mallards come in, George, in North Dakota with Jordan Sargent, and we're laying, you were there, JP, and we're laying under four or 500 mallards. And I know you wanted to kill me because I didn't call the shot the first (laughs) seven flocks. But when they finally do it It and you do get that opportunity to enjoy, to witness and experience that spectacle and you pull up and your gun clicks. That's when you go, oh, you know, you just yeah, yeah. and with Benelli you don't have it,
1: nope,
2: you don't have it, and that is the testament. What you're talking about that that Rock was talking about with that goose hunt is that when those <laughs> specs come in, and you know how you how hard you work all season, you work, you, you know, as duck hunters, you work all throughout the off season on your calling your decoys your dog your dog training your boat your motor your tune-ups everything that goes in to being a good waterfowl hunter a passionate loving waterfowl hunter that respects the birds ethically and morally and then you go out and you get to witness that maybe once a year because we go through a lot of days where you don't get to witness it and when it happens and your equipment malfunctions because it's not the right equipment or you didn't take do the due diligence in your process of picking it out that's what we want to get through in our messaging is we've been there and done it in every condition and Benelli has never let us down.
0: Well, and I'll speak for George here. I'm sorry, but I, I know we both agree. Equipment malfunction in a moment like that is completely unacceptable for us. Yeah. I mean, it's totally unacceptable. And that's why, you know, that's why super Eagle three was a 10 year project, right? I mean, we're not going to put a gun out there just to launch it, to make money on some sort of marketing campaign and, and, and worry about the, dip, the you know, if it works afterwards. You know, we, I know that George and all his, his team and all the people that work on it, I know, I know it because, like I said before, when we go out to our dealers and we talk to our consumers, I, that, I, the, I'll go back to the question you asked before. I don't think about that because I have the greatest amount of confidence that when someone says, oh, well, I had this one issue with this Benelli once, and, and, and when that happens, I'm like, really, send me the gun. Send me the gun, we'll take a look at it, and it's probably something. Very simple, and we can fix. I mean, I want you to get that gun in and back out in your hands and go shoot it to prove, prove to that person that it was an anomaly, right? That that never happens, and if it does, we're going to take care of it in a, in a in a moment's notice, and we're going to take care of the customer as if they're the best customer in the world every single time. But you know, we don't just make guns to make guns. We make guns to a higher standard, and and sometimes it takes longer. You know, people were clamoring for Super Eagle Three for a while. And I'm sure, and George, I, I don't want me to talk for you all the time. But there's a lot of pressure on the, those guys to get stuff into market, you know, and people are saying, oh, these other companies are coming out with new products and we're falling behind and we're like, "One, well, you know, let's not get crazy here. But, but they're not going to succumb to that pressure just to make a gun. They're going to make a gun that, that meets that Benelli standard without fail. And that's, I think that's really key.
2: Yeah, and I, to have that confidence in what you do, to go out and, you know, your livelihood depends on that. Our livelihood depends on, on us being able to go out and perform yeah. and, and show this cherished lifestyle of waterfowl hunting. And I think Rocky lives a cherished waterfowl life. He's getting Rico and Joey in, and he's always bragging about the, tw- the M220 gauges in their hands. And, and, and women he introduces to the outdoors. Those testaments that give everybody the confidence to give it to their kid, Rico, go out and shoot this gun. Clay, let's chase you, shoot the M220 gauge you know, on coyote stands you have all of these different situations that you could pick any gun that you want. And then you got to go out and, and provide for your family by what George is providing for his family with, with that, with yeah. that product development. To me, it's like, it's a no brainer in my opinion to have Benelli. And here's a cool Testament about Benelli is that Andy McCormick at, at legacy sports, at legacy international, how rifles and escort shotguns. And they were our first sponsor back in 2008. Andy believed in us. They were a local company in Reno, Nevada. And when I took them the idea of the foul life and, and, and showed him what we were doing. He's like, oh, we'd love to have escort behind that. And then I sat down with Christy Gates and George Thompson in Houston at NRA. And it was time for us to do something because we were growing and, and I went to Andy and I, was, I didn't know how Andy was gonna react because we were friends, we were tight friends. We went hunting together, we ate lunch together, we did everything together. And I went to him, you know what he said? When I told him, I said, hey, I Benelli's interested. He goes, he goes, you'd be an idiot not to do it. And I go, hmm. what do you mean? He goes, because that's Benelli. That's freaking Benelli. He goes, if they want to fly their flag with you guys, he goes, I'm shaking your hand and saying good job. That we're proud that we were a part of what you're doing. And now Benelli's replacing our guns. That, that was a big deal to him. And he still talks about that when I see Andy. Is that, <clears throat> that was a big deal for him to see it was Benelli. We weren't just going out and chasing a check from a different shotgun. We were going to Benelli. We were going to be partnered with the best waterfowl and all around shotguns in the world, and that—that's a cool testament, in my opinion. That you have this guy that makes his living in guns as your competitor, right. and he's like, he goes, i I, would, I don't even want to sponsor you guys anymore. You got—you—you'd be a dummy to not go do that deal." Yeah, that's a cool deal. Well, yeah, that's and, a cool deal. and
3: having a Benelli in your hand, you know, it gives you that confidence. You know, when you come up, it's going to be full, cool, so you don't have to worry about that's a big sh- deal stressing about it. I, you come up, and yeah. it's going to go click, and you can worry about other stuff. Yeah, you yeah, know, right. that's going to go wrong in a hunt or anywhere else and when you are a kid that is coming up and you oh i'm gonna afford that 300 dollars shotgun and 500 you know whatever it is maybe save up for a little two more years because you're gonna i don't know, waste your money because you want to get in and hunt and shoot and stuff but maybe wait another year or two so when you get a benelli <laughs> that other gun's not waste that other money's not wasted yeah, a benelli, along, benelli along. gives
0: you like a clear mind yeah shoot right i mean and that's a big deal if you're if your mind's all, like, you know, racing about all these things to think about and that duck flies, you're going to miss it. Because well, now you know how
2: stressed I get throughout these negotiation processes. <laughs> I well, mean, for we real. We
0: just now learned that?
2: Well, yeah. No, but now, no, I know you've known me for, you know how I am. I'm very protective of our relationship and partnership yeah. and friendship with Benelli. And if we, if for some reason you guys woke up in your marketing department and Tim and Tom woke up one day and said, we, our budgets are changing, we're going to Facebook ads, anything could happen. Mm -hmm. but you guys made that phone call to me literally like where would we go think about that in our position is like what would we do now what we just went from the ultimate and now we're going to go back to an escort you know we just not an escort shotgun but an escort Ford escort we just went from a ferrari to a freaking escort and that's a big deal to me because now that we're here you don't want to lose that you want to be protective of it Mm -hmm. you want to show the lifestyle and the passion of this in the right way and i think that that's the bigger picture is that Benelli is part of that confidence in that lifestyle to wake up every day and want to go do this more. Yeah, because of the way that gun is, the success you have it, the way it swings, the way it makes you feel. It's kind of like when you pick up, when you when you put on the right workout gear, the right running shoes, or you're in the right race car or the right boat, you feel better. The better you feel, the better you're going to perform. The better you look, the better you think you're going to feel. Benelli gives you that. When you hold that new forearm of that Super Black Eagle Three in your hand, yeah. you feel like a freaking badass athlete you feel like you're getting ready to compete and you're gonna go into the on-deck circle and into the bad earth box and hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth. That's the way it makes me feel. That's the way I look at it is like, this gun makes me feel like I have no, ch- no choice but to succeed. And that's, that's kudos to you guys. And that's why I want to sit down today is that those guns, I've seen them put through hell. I've literally seen them, I've seen them dropped in Arkansas flooded timber in 25 degree weather with ice <laughs> eaters in the hole and picked up out of the icy water and then the next group of mallards comes in, and there's not one hiccup on them. They just boom, boom, boom. I've seen them full of full of mud and <coughs> California rice fields, and that's the worst kind of hunting conditions there are.
0: Yeah, North Dakota. We I remember. I'll never forget this. We were going out and getting set up in our, in our layout blinds, and I grabbed my gun, and it, like it was kind of rattling a little bit, and I'm like, that's weird. They don't really make noise. Benelli's are kind of like solid, <laughs> solid. and I open the action. And I just dumped out a bunch of sand and grit and dirt, and, and I was corn like and shit. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then it was like, "Oh, guys, here they, here they come! Here they come!" So I'm like, "Loaded my gun up, close the blind up, and bang, bang, bang!" Right? I mean, but I was literally dumping dirt out of the action. Before those birds came in and it was flawless. Speaking so of that. What you're oh, saying good. is that Chad doesn't clean his guns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in roundabout, he might have missed one, that one. Whoa, Speaking whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Heather
2: Bennett. Uh, Heather's <laughs> Sorry, Heather. I know you have a married name now. She's married. But Otis Technology is our partner in gun cleaning, and they have everything that we need for cleaning guns. But I'm always talking to Heather about, like, I, I like that gun. I like that, uh, not, you know, that used feel of it to where you know when you have a benelli and it's shooting perfect for you i don't want to change things a lot yeah and they yeah. make they make products like the dry lube that i'll have in my blind like in the pits in colorado where dirt's falling all over you all the time rocky was there with me last february you spray a little bit of that dry lube in the in benelli action nice. it's boom it's dead on right again you don't have to do yeah, a whole lot yeah. to a benelli i'm not saying don't take them apart and 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 no, have maintenance no. with them but I don't think that you need to go to the extremes that these guys are down here to I clean a gun. Yeah, the and, gun. My, and my
0: point wasn't that you guys don't clean your guns. I'm sorry, but it was a fact yeah, that don't we'll be talking smack. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> but it was the <laughs> fact that, and that it worked,
3: that it worked, and it worked, and it, and for the rest of the day I didn't even think about it. You uh, know? How many times today? Sorry to change the subject a little bit. Did you only shoot three times, thinking that your gun only had three shells oh, in it? Because no, down several. here you can put oh, five several. Every time. Yeah, it's, it's you it pull great. up and go hey, boom, man. boom. Oh, I got no, I, I got, I got even, three more shells I could shoot. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to figure that one out. <laughs> it's, a,
4: it's three shots. You're so mentally designed for that now. Well, yeah. think, think
2: about the, the the responsibility now and the safety of hunting. When you come down here and you spend as much time as we do in the field and at the end of that third shot, that action stays open. You're not, it doesn't matter if the safety's on or off at that point. The right. action's open. There's no ammo in there. Yeah. Well, at this point... You could leave, you know, you're thinking your safety can be off. Your action's still live, right? With another round in there. You have to, you have to understand, like when you're coming down here, going to different places to hunt, they don't have the same laws that we do in America. You don't have to have, you don't have to shoot steel down here. Right. Right. You, you don't. There's no plugs. There's no plugs in the guns. I mean, you can load up that magazine with kind of like spring snow goose season. I mean, these Benelli's don't shoot that many unless there is a, you know, you have, we had four shots today. I don't know what you guys had. Did you guys have four or five? Five. You had five of the 12 gauge I mean,
1: ethos. Yeah, you were using the M2, which had is M2, uh, which three is and one. Three yeah. and one. Ethos is four and one, yeah. So that's why...
2: And I was still shooting more ducks than you guys, so that's kind of
1: a... <laughs> well, of course, in your mind, you were. Yeah. So, I,
2: so we, we get down here and... This lodge, I mean, it's kind of like I don't know what how to how to like describe how it stands out in the in the ruins <laughs> that we're at. But is it kind <laughs> of know, is, it, is it kind of Tony Montana-ish? Like,
3: do you feel like <laughs> we're like
0: we're just missing gunmen on like uh, around the top of the the, the but Isn't floor. it
2: cool that when you pull up to this place and the in the welcome that we got here?
3: Oh yeah. What's crazy is you you drive five hours from Buenos Aires on paved road and then you come in here and it's all dirt mm-hmm. and then. You, you're thinking because the little housing that there is here, the couple hundred people that live in this little town of Pasteur, probably not very affluent. I mean, they're just ranchers and mm-hmm. living off the land. And you pull up to this, you're like, "Where is this?" Like, where? yeah. And I said, that, I said "How, does, how does I
0: this said this to you out? earlier?" I was expecting like a, you know, like a typical, you know, Argentinian or South American like estancia, like an old, yeah. you know, you, you know, like wealthy landowners' home that had been, you know, made into a lodge. And we come into this place, and you're like. Whoa.
2: Yeah, and it's, you think about like these locals around here might look at it and go, you know. We'll never get there. But the the truth of the matter is is that Monty employs a lot of locals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's oh, right. bringing revenue to these parts. He talked last night about the beef they eat is local, the pigs they eat is local, that's the right. eggs they eat are local, the milk, the cheese. Yep. Everything they do, he is supporting the local economy down there. And I think that's badass. The cooks. The, the well, cooks. I mean, everybody. everybody that works here is local. Yeah, mm-hmm. but let's
0: talk about that for a second. So everything's local, and the quality is well, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, the food that we've had. And I, we were going to get to this eventually, whether, whether, whether you said it or I said it. I'm but starving it. right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. starving. And, and yeah,
2: this is the last time we'll do a podcast this close to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> the smell it all The food <laughs> we've
0: had so far and being local and, you know, the, the, the meat from a local butcher, I mean, you can't, can't get a better steak anywhere else. I mean, it, it was Those. unreal. And, you know, I can't believe you're starving, which is incredible because they fed us to the gills. but. Yeah. Um, but the food has been just tremendous, and it's neat that it's all local and it's all you know part of this economy. It's that great. provolone
2: that we had, that was uh, What the freak was that? that it, was was like cool. it, was a, it was like I thought it was – I thought it was on a crust. There was no crust. No crust. No, no, open no. Pit fire. Open fire
0: just. melted pro- like a wheel of provolone that got melted down over like open flames. Like, <laughs> is there any more? Because yeah. I really – I could just eat that I mean, and and that wasn't even the best part of the and meal. Die in
2: three years, but yeah, th- It would be worth every bite of every it. Every bite of <laughs> it. Like every sing- We got greeted yesterday with what cuts was that yesterday that we ate when we got here, Rock? The steaks that we had yeah, yesterday. They're just they were they're just big, like awesome ribeyes. I mean, they, they were, were like three prefer- inch thick. Egg. But said said
3: they were. Um, or we're just having a light lunch. Yeah, light three-inch ribeye is a light lunch. <laughs> like garlic. I'm gonna oh, hang out with Monty well, more often. What, yeah. what was your favorite? The smoked garlic mashed Oh my hope? god! I, I've I, never had anything like it. No, no, th- no, that
2: that pork belly last night was pork my
4: favorite. Oh, the, no, the, pork the, belly the meals here are five star, and <laughs> the olive oil was four. The wines are four. They um they these wines here. I, I just like I said. I mean, when I was trying to send wine in here. Uh, from my our family's winery from harry's winery um it, it, he says nope not going to happen don't worry about it we have good wines down here i'm always pessimistic i just sit there and i'm all like <laughs> okay wine you know? snob well you yeah. do come from wine capital of the world pretty and, much and, and yeah. we do we love good wine and when i got here these all three cabs and the malbach that he set on the table are off the charts yeah. I mean they're they're amazing. They yeah. drink well. Yeah. And, and they keep your glass full. And they yes. keep Oh God. And it's gone. it doesn't stop flowing. Yeah. You know? Caesar, stop. <laughs> it's trying a, to wake up tomorrow. But it is. And you know, I mean I love food and, and I, I love good food. And um I, I set marks and standards for that. And this place is primo. Is primo. It's it's primo. beat everyone. And
2: the humility that goes into it being humbled by <clears throat> being able to say that we're killing this amount of ducks in the month of July. Again, we're, we're very lucky to be here. And I think that whether you can afford it or not at this point in your life, I think that you owe it to yourself to, to, to get on a destination trip like this and come experience what we're talking about. From when you walk in here and Caesar greets you and calls you Amigo, he means it like they want they're friends with us. When I gave him that Oakley Beanie this morning, <laughs> he freaked to freak out. I mean yeah. he was like, Oh, my God. And he hasn't taken it off. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's wearing it. Like, he probably sleeping in it, you know. But that's what I'm saying is that this, this is a, a, a test of humility of, like, I'm trying not to take any of this for granted. Because we do get to go and hunt some awesome, awesome spots. And October will be here before we know it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be killing geese in, next month in August in, in North Dakota. Yeah. Like, I, I'm trying to soak it all in in these drives and really take into what we, we have a black lab. Susie's in my lab. It's 100 degrees in Chico, California, and we're killing 100, 115 ducks in a couple hours in Argentina today. Yes. And I think that that's really what the gist of this whole conversation is, that the passion that you guys have for the product development, the passion that Rock has for his operations, almonds and wallets, and, <laughs> and his farming and his waterfowling in California, and what Clay does in the predator market and his kids, and, and what I do with the Fowl Life and Bandit, and, and how it's all come together For one reason or another, it jailed. And now here we are sharing friendship and camaraderie with the guy, Monty Baldwin, that graduated in 1970 from Wooster High School with my dad. They were best friends in life until my dad passed away. And now Monty's been affluent enough and and, um, successful enough to be able to come down here and do this and afford us the opportunity to to bring Foul Life and Benelli and Merlot and and Bandit down here. Well, that's awesome. I was going to
3: comment on this earlier as the guy who's trying to get here. I mean, like you said, $800 for a plane ticket. And yeah, you got to pay a daily rate to, to Monty. But if you think about it, you're, all the gas you spend all, all year going public hunting, if you are able to go th- to a couple states and try this, got, my buddy said ducks were here, I'm chasing the migration here. You're spending a ton of money to go shoot eh, for the average guy, maybe 200 ducks a year. I don't know. I but not, you, I bet you that's, that's high. That's I mean that's, lot a, lot ducks. Ducks, that's right? a lot of ducks, right? That's a lot of ducks. so well, you, I'd say
2: twenty five is probably an average in
3: America. But I you, you save, up, save up save yeah. up that money and you're gonna yeah. come here and shoot ducks for a ten-year kind of yeah, you're going to shoot a decades worth of ducks.
2: And, but again, it's different. We got to make sure that we the messaging is different because it's different. It's, it's not going out different. and calling and turning a group of mallards. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's different. It's a different form of hunting. Electronic calls. It's a different form of hiding. It's a it's a, a different way of hunting that we're doing here. Yeah. It's more of what we're, the camaraderie, the the experience, yeah. and that and that's what we preach. Is now we're at a South American duck camp and we get to experience exactly what we do around that fire in Arkansas. In just a different way with right. new friends that don't even speak english yeah, right, the, the language right. barrier down here is it's bad yeah, it's, i mean you, it's you, serious you, it's serious language barrier yeah. down here i mean my my little bit of latin-based italian knowledge is not even getting me through here they look at me like shut up no we
0: do a lot of hand gesturing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hand gesturing. <laughs> But guys,
2: I'm proud of it. I'm proud that we're here. I'm, uh, the friendships and everything that we do. I just wanted to jump on. We're going to jump on every day and and do a little hour, hour and a half here just to talk about our experiences during the day. But from the arri- from the travel to the arrival to the food to the to individuals that have greeted us to the hunting today to every single thing that we've experienced so much so far and just and we're talking 48 hours. It's been pretty memorable already. Uh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. I think that tonight I think the the wine glasses are already set up. I can smell the aromas coming off of the spit and the pit and the barbecue and everything that they got rolling. It's the 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 ways they cook down here are amazing. It's it's really an honor to be able to eat like this. This life ate for everybody live from Argentina. Argentina duck hunting adventures. Monty Baldwin good family friend. For Rocky Merlo, for George Thompson, for J.P. Fisher, for Clay Belding, this has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you today by our great friends at Benelli, Benelli USA, the Ethos, the M2, the Super Black Eagle 3, the 828U. Check out their website. Pick out a firearm. Get to some kind of event where you can test them. Put them on your shoulder. See the difference, and then just trust the reliability. I'm Chad Belding, This Life Ain't For Everybody, live from Argentina. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you very much.